0: Hey, welcome to the Sanctuary Church podcast. Sanctuary Church is a family following the path of Jesus together in Providence, Rhode Island. If you'd like to learn more about our community, you can visit our website at sanctuaryri.org or check us out on social media. Thanks for stopping by and we hope you are encouraged by today's teaching. Matthew 7, verses 7 to 12. These are the words of Jesus. This is in the midst of his famous Sermon on the Mount as a name that's been given to this over the centuries. His, His kingdom manifesto. This was his vision, really, of what it was to live the fully human life, the kingdom of God. And he says this, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and those who seek find, and those who knock, the door will be open. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. These words from Jesus um, don't need a clever new interpretation to get us off the hook. They don't need a clever new interpretation for us to be able to deal with some of the disappointment that we feel when we read a passage like this. Because some of us have been discipled. Some of us have been formed by disappointment. I feel like I asked. I feel like I looked. I I ran after you. I feel like I knocked. And we've treated the Lord like something other than he has (laughs) presented himself to us as. Maybe a genie. Maybe this idea that we're asking for the right things, and we always know that we are. But there is something about this passage that demands not a new interpretation, but demands implementation. And so I, I thought it appropriate, not just because it was, you know, Father's Day, that was actually just a happenstance that <laughs> we have reference to this good Father who knows how to give us good gifts. No. This is an important passage as we're taking some time to look at the person of the Holy Spirit. For those of you who are new with us, we've just been going through this long, like, 16-week series called The One We Long For. And we've just been trying to get our eyes up on paying attention to the character of God. The character of God the Father, the character of God the Son, the character of God the Holy Spirit. And so today is a very very slight kind of dip or turn. And that there's a recognition that I have when it comes to um, uh, our community, like the people around me, is that not everyone, um, because of whether it's the way they've been beaten down by life, something about their very nature or character, something about their trust in God, are having a hard time dreaming. Anyone would like self-identify as a dreamer in the room? Really? Really? One more time. I, I know, like, usually hand-raising in church is, like, super lame. You're not supposed to do it. It's like preaching 101, don't do that. And then no one ever really does it. Let's try it for real, though. How many of you would self-identify as a dreamer in a positive sense? <laughs> Sweet. It's not the majority of people. I just... Um, I finished up doing this executive coaching with a, a friend, and I quickly realized that the percentage of people who, according to this particular typology, that identify as um, pioneers, essentially visionaries, people who are future-minded is like 7% of the population according to this made-up stat. <laughs> There's actually a lot of data that supports this, being incredibly low. But as followers of Jesus, the importance that we are both very presently minded and future minded is like central to actually much of the way way of God. This is the, if you've kind of been tracking along in the service today, this is a bit of an ode again back to what we prayed about and reflected on in that Juneteenth moment. It's a recognition that we have hope because we are future minded. For the follower of Jesus, as I all too often quote Dr. King's like speech, where he's looking at the end, he's looking at the liberation of all people. He's looking at the vision in heaven of every tribe, tongue, and nation around the great table, and he says, "I've been to the mountaintop. I've seen it. It's future-minded, and it was in that clear vision and the trust of what Jesus has announced in the resurrection." The vision that we have, if you're to believe it, I know not everyone in here is a follower of Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, you actually hold fast to this understanding that everything will be made right one day. Every tear will be wiped away. That the brokenness will be mended. All will be well. And it is exactly holding on to that image and that vision that is meant to be our greatest aid, hope, hope, Reason for joy, life, even picking up our cross, laying down our life, not being scared of death here in the present. Our ability to dream, our ability to not just simply be swept along in our cultural milieu is critical. As we think about having a good way of engaging with God the Spirit, the God who is with us, reminding us of what Jesus taught, like it says in John, giving us vision and empowerment for the future. The issue is not whether we are living out of a posture of trusting God that we can go to him and ask and seek and knock. No, no, our, 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 our difficulty is not getting more info on how to interpret this verse or how to temper our disappointment when things don't happen that way. Our issue is with living this out. Gervardi says this, there is a demand by the crowd to live an ordinary, unexamined, and passionless life in which God is essentially irrelevant And yet, they want this life to be regarded as Christian. That's a good quote. (laughs) These words in Matthew ask, seek, and knock, they have to be embodied. We need to be defined as a church that does this. If I want to receive, and if I want to find, and I want to see doors and have doors opened. If I want to make sense of the most important things, fathers, as you have a vision for your daughters and sons today, as we have a vision for racial reconciliation in our distorted world, as we have a vision for the love and life that God has for us, if we lean into the gospel and being people who demonstrate and announce the good news that He is king, that we are saved by grace through faith, and that we can find healing and hope and wholeness here and now, we have to be people who are leaning into the everlasting arms, as the old hymn says. So ask, seek and knock. The first part's simple. The second part, the nature of God, is usually what like, gives us a bit of a, a snag. It says he's a good God. If you're a mediocre parent, which is essentially what it means by evil. Some of you are like, I don't know if I'm evil. I'm not great. (laughs) Evil seems strong, Jesus. If you, who are implicitly broken, know how to like do an okay job, how much more? And so the question for today, not from some weird like, Shame, guilt, do more for God. But from hopefully a deep place of conviction as we head into a new week is why don't we take God up on this? Why don't we take him up on this? How is it that we read this and politely decline? It seems that in most of the scriptures, Jesus is inviting people and people are declining. Come near. Trust me, this is going to be good. I really am like who I say I am. There is love and life and freedom and joy and healing. I know the sacrifice seems hard. I know other people are going to make choices that are going to make that hard. I know, I know. Don't walk away. In fact, don't just not walk away. Keep coming to me and asking and seeking and knocking. We turn down this invitation when we think about our life plans for minutiae and trivialities. In fact, we look back and ask, like, I think toward the end of our life, like, how could I be so silly to us not taking God up on this? A few reasons I, don't, I think we don't take God up on this. One, our lives are too complicated to ask God. It's just too complicated. In the book of James, it says, you do not have because you do not ask. You do not have, because you do not ask God. And then when you ask, you do not receive, because what? You ask with, what's it say? Wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. This goes sideways even in church sometimes. We're like, God, more of me. Holy Spirit, come, fill me up, fill me up. That through the lens of like, Lord, what do you wanna do through me? How would you be glorified? Even that can become when it's self-serving about your own walk in terms of some sort of spiritual high, it becomes a sort of spiritual gluttony. It becomes this way when you are like, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz, right? One writer says, I'm convinced that bar some sort of medical crisis, you're gonna live the rest of your life out how you're living it right now. Bar some kind of epic crisis, Maybe it's not medical. Something that shakes you to your bones. Nothing's going to shift you. We might tweak. I think a lot of us tweak. We work on our habits for a while, but nothing's going to shift you. You'll end up being the same. Somewhere in your heart, he said, This is all the God that I need, or all the God that I want to be able to function. This is all, I'm good. And, and I want to invite those of you who have been walking with Jesus for a while. Bypass your first response to that line. Your first response to that line is like, no, not me. Because you cognitively agree with that statement. Bypass it. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Have I done that? Have I done that? I get into conversations with people who do what I do, other pastors, specifically folks that have started churches. And one of the things we try to like remind ourselves of regularly is that we can build a church based on really good leadership principles, strong habits, good systems, some basic theology and we'll probably do just fine. The problem is it will be a Christian nonprofit and not a church. Right? It's just, it's, it's, we can live our lives like that. Most of us, not all of us, I recognize that. I wanna own that in the room. Praise be to God, our church has become much more diverse socioeconomically, but for the most part, this church is made up of people who have means, genuinely solid intellect. I mean, some of you are rough, but, you know, just kidding. You can do the rest of your life on your own and live out some, like, inch-deep American dream. We know this. But somewhere in your heart, in your head, we have to push through this. Our current way of life, this is what we've been talking about these last couple of ways, are there places where your current way of life don't line up with the promises of God? Just the simple things. I've asked the Lord that he would bring me back to the days um, where like, I, I would like ask the Lord for a parking space. I hate that prayer so much. Follow me for a moment. When you first become a follower of Jesus, what often happens, is you're just so overwhelmed and enamored with the way of you, especially those that don't have any kind of background to it. And you're like, Jesus, you're here, you're by my side. And God is actually really gracious. I found this to be true. He's actually really gracious to actually, like, get you the parking spot. (laughs) To, like, take care of these small little things that don't ultimately matter in the larger kingdom of God, is he's building your faith. But the interesting thing in that season is you were just so, like, Anything, anything, anything. It is like a child who asks for everything. Now you slowly begin to help your children know what to ask for as you're teaching them to walk out life in hopefully a good vision. To lay into this a little deeper, there's a lot of followers of Jesus here again who are incredibly accomplished, who will work crazy ever. crazy hours, talk to some of you, (laughs) who leverage your life for what you want. And the one area I've found that people have a temptation to accept mediocrity is in your walk with God. We like accept it. Now those of you who accept mediocrity in every area of your life, like that's a separate conversation. (laughs) This isn't about rest, by the way. It's about stewarding what God's given you, but we accept the sort of mediocrity there, but we would never do that in our workplace. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We have this opportunity and we squander it on our pleasures. And so one of the shifts that's just so important is that we move from the plausible to the possible. A plausible is when culture, when our world around us, and this is the temptation for every one of us, even the dreamers in the room, it captures your imagination and you're just sort of swept along and there's no discernible difference between you and anyone else. I'm not talking about grand, heroic gestures. I'm talking about just a life that looks like Jesus. It leans into the promises of Jesus. And what we don't realize or don't want to own is that culture has captured our imagination. Kaylee Lawson writes this about dreams. He says, dreams by definition are supposed to be unique and imaginative. Yet the bulk of our population is dreaming the same dream. When the entire culture is dreaming the same thing, imagination has been taken captive. An alternative dream requires animation by a different narrative. Kaylee Lawson is not a Christian. He's sitting here recognizing the sort of low-grade despair and saying we need a different narrative. Bobette Buster is the one who said, he who tells the best story wins. And as followers of Jesus, we humbly submit we have the best story. We know the ending. Your love at the deepest part of your being. You don't need to fear death. There is a calling on your life. From the stay-at-home parent to the construction worker to the person who has all the means in the world, we have a vision of stepping into something bigger and announcing a more beautiful reality of truth and goodness and beauty. An alternative dream requires animation by a different narrative. If God were to give you everything you ask for, every door would open what would you ask for would it be more money would it be to find somebody's awesome would it be around i don't know like having a vision around your inc- yeah your income getting a better place have children who are really good looking better educated because of the genetic codes that you've made maybe these kids do better than your friends kids we could like riff on this all day. The, 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 the point is we basically have Maslow's hierarchy of needs on steroids. It's possible that we are crafting and managing risks and savings and fear in such a way, again, that looks like something different than the way of Jesus. So if God gave you everything you asked for, the argument in James is that for many of us it would not be the kind of life that God offers. And a good father would never really give you that. You may get it by your own means, It's like the psalmist who starts to get jealous looking at the person next to them who is a crude wealth and not had half the challenges and it looks like they're crushing it in life but of just totally living an entire different lifestyle not aligned with the way of God and he has a realization halfway through the psalm. Asaph just goes, oh, they're miserable. They're miserable. There's something so much more than that. A good father would never give you Never give you the sorts of things that will bring brokenness to your life. If God did that, life would be a disaster. Luke 11, which of your fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? What do we believe about God? Is he generous? Does he want to give you the Holy Spirit? Does he want to lead you into all truth or no? You can politely decline. But if I can just say again, as somebody who, um, I hate when I do this. I'm having like a little meta moment right now. Like if me, the pastor, can do this. like I don't mean this to like elevate myself. I just think about this stuff all the time. And as somebody who finds themselves in the prayer room a lot, has finally like worked through some systems in my life and my habits to spend more time deeply in prayer, I revisit this again and go, Lord, there are so many spaces and places in my life, not just sin and brokenness, but vision and dreams that I do not and have not submitted myself to your leading and your calling come before you. Do I believe you're generous, God? Are you good? Do you know what's best for me or no? James is saying your motives are clouded. And I have found just like my children, the more and more I come to God, he shapes my motives. He shapes my motives. Again, plausible reality. The plausible must submit to the possible. We are swept up into the status quo I think then we're just scared to ask. We're scared to ask. To imagine a possible future. What is the possible future that God would have for us? So how do we do this? How do we become askers and seekers? Can I just be really practical for a minute? We have to seek him. (laughs) Hebrews 11, anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, you have to believe that he's there and you have to seek him earnestly and diligently. Earnestly and diligently. Like write those words like on your hand. Write them under your eyelids like earnestly and diligently. Diligently. I was talking to a friend recently who just found themselves so deeply struggling with their walk with God, with community, with all of it. And I'm not saying this will apply all to every situation, but it had been years and years since this person had even remotely like stepped into the flow of their church. How often are you in the Word? You know, you know, when every once in a while I'm gonna get out, Do I pray? Oh, when it's a big crisis. Are you in any kind of community? No. I don't know why you're having a crisis of faith or trust in God at all. There was nothing in their life reinforcing it. And this person in nearly every other era, area of their life were kind of crushing it. Why? They were earnestly and diligently seeking after whatever that was. God is not looking for you to earn anything, but he is not opposed to. In fact, encourages effort. Earnestly and diligently, he rewards those There are forces that shape our life and push us into a status quo. Prayer does the opposite of that. Prayer pushes us into possibility. When you've exhausted your own resources and you ask and you you will receive and seek and you will find. For me, this is what it looks like. In my mind, I just see people. I see people going to work, going in early, confessing their sins at dinner, I don't know why at dinner. It just seems like a good time to like name all the brokenness of the day. Like I have this just like bringing God to the forefront of your life. In every situation, not quarantined out of certain places, diligence and engagement. So a few things to keep in mind. One, you prioritize seeking God in your schedule. Just prioritize that. If we're going to be people who have our eyes turned toward the spirit and are open to God leading us into all beauty and truth and goodness too, you have to survey your surroundings. You have to survey your surroundings. Be aware of how you're being shaped. Be aware of what's pushing in on you, of visions of life that you have gotten caught up in because it just makes sense. Guys, just because you're out of high school doesn't mean you don't like fall prey to peer pressure, right? You don't fall prey to the clicks. Even a vision of like, yeah, I lead myself, I'm my own person. Like you got that from somewhere, and there's a whole ideology that reinforces that right now. That actually is one of the most constricting ways of living your life. Three, you got to know God's heart. You got to know His heart. Do you understand God's passion for you? Like His love for you, that He's faithful. As I say that, I just got this kind of, like, hit of, like, I I think some people, like, that's, like, the starting point today. Like, you are loved by God. He actually loves you, and he cares for you, and he's faithful. And so in a minute, when we all sing, all my life you have been faithful, there are folks in this room who will start to borderline weep no matter how many times we sing that song because it's true. They've seen it because they're looking around. They know his heart, and their eyes have been up, which leads me to point number four, is you've got to keep your eyes up. What in your life is not how God wants it to be? Where's the vision for the future of God's healing and wholeness? We see in Isaiah a picture of the kingdom of God laid out for us. And it looks like, the kingdom of God, you have to know what the kingdom looks like to know it doesn't align with it. The kingdom looks like deliverance from bondage, justice, peace, joy. It looks like presence, healing, and it looks like people finding home. Go through Isaiah 40. We need to know what God's will is and what God's heart is for us. He wants to see us delivered. He wants to see us walk in peace. He wants to see us, like, walk in joy. For those of you who, like, maybe were a little bit, and I understand, like, oh, that's a little unorthodox, the little dad joke thing. Like, like bro, this is the joy of the Lord. Like, I'm, I don't know about you. I'm, like, happy to be alive. I'm happy to celebrate fathers. Like, why wouldn't we put this here? Right? Why wouldn't we have, like, like boxed silly moments next to, like, heartfelt Juneteenth moments. Like why wouldn't we seek on a Sunday morning to experience the full range of life? We have to know God's heart for us is to experience the ache of recognized liberation hasn't fully come to our black brothers and sisters. We have to experience the great joy of fatherhood and goodness. We have to experience like the ache of recognizing, man, we fall prey to the status quo and we have to recognize the great joy of new life being born into this church and into this world and the great possibilities that lay before Aisha. We have to know God's heart for us. We have to keep our eyes up to the human experience and, what, and where we are being shaped. We have to be people who prioritize then seeking God in our life. This is how we become folks that ask and seek and knock and ask and seek and knock, knowing God will form our will and form our motives. To behold the Holy Spirit, to look upon the God who is present with us, reminding us and empowering here and now to be people who are shaped by a vision of God with us. Are to be people who are in relationship with God, who do not assume, who do not presume, who do not live parallel lives. No, they ask, and they seek, and they knock. They come like a child before that door. Dad, 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 dad. One second, honey. Dad, dad, dad persistent, earnestly, diligently. And so when we find ourselves on the mountaintop ready for the next adventure, we say, God, lead the way. And when we find ourselves in the worst spot, whether that's because of something someone else did to us and the brokenness of our world, or of our own sin, or usually a sweet combination of the two, it's in that moment we go, "Dad, Ted, I don't know what to do. Our eyes are up in recognizing our own brokenness. This is how we participate in the life of the kingdom. This is how we join God in the renewal of our world. This is how we start fresh again. We submit to the possible. History hasn't been made yet. Jesus is the head of the church. We are the body and we must let him activate the dreams that are in his heart for us, for our family, and for our city. Walter Wink says, history belongs to the intercessors. History belongs to the askers. History belongs to the seekers. The history belongs to the knockers. Holy Spirit, let us be a generation that take you up on this offer. Holy Spirit, let us be a generation that trusts that you are good. Lord, I just hear you saying, stop acting like the one trying, like that I'm the one trying to avoid you, Lord. We act like this, like you're trying to avoid us, Lord. Show us where we're hiding. Show us where we're committing that sin in the garden of hiding from you, our good and perfect king, our good and perfect king, our good and perfect father. family before we close I want to invite us to take a moment to dream the front of the of the building the front of the church sanctuary here is open if you want to come forward like many of you do it's okay we're like used to this you can climb over someone or skirt by you just need to come forward and to kneel and surrender our prayer ministers are going to come up if you just need to pray with somebody Receive healing. Just allow someone to bless you maybe even. Maybe you have some new just endeavor that you just recognize you have not submitted this to the Lord. If fathers in the room, if you're like, I, you know, like the only thing I'm thinking about is like, yeah, I'm, I've been a pretty evil father. Like there's just brokenness in your parenting Right now, and you know it, and that's okay, man. That's like courage, can I say? Like, we need more courageous, strong men who are willing to acknowledge their weakness, their brokenness. This is the beginning of healing, and maybe you just need to come forward and lay that before God. But let us ask. Let us come before him and ask and seek and knock. Lord, would you give us a vision of the future? I commit to diligently and earnestly seeking you in a way I haven't before and I want to name it right now. So feel free to come forward. Feel free to pray with someone. Feel free to just stay right where you're at. But let us sit just in this quiet space for a few minutes here. Holy Spirit, would you come?